it's an impossible dream, maybe, but it shouldn't be hard for your colleagues or anything. That's the idea is you just want to be as inclusive as possible at any given moment in time. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. Scott, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? All good, thank you, Brooke. All good. Good. I am so looking forward to this chat because I think I, and I always say this, I always learn so much from these conversations and particularly around other people's views and their disability. So I think this is going to be a really fun and interesting conversation. Excellent. Yeah, looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. Great. So the first question that I ask absolutely every single guest is, how do you refer to your disability? So this is the question that I've been able to to almost rehearse because I know uh, <laughs> knew this one was coming. Um, but yeah, I, I normally just prefer just to be referred to as as Scott, plain yeah. and simple. But when people then, if people need to um, to give a description or want to put a reference point in there, it would be I'm a disabled person. Yeah, um, and I think. Part of the reason for that is because a lot of people see disability and disabled as as a dirty word, which yeah. it's not. It's not a negative word. So I think by putting it at the forefront, it's saying it's an it's okay to say. Don't be afraid of saying it. I'm going to use it as my main descriptive point. Uh, and I think I hope that will help people so uh so yeah so I always say I'm a disabled person and it's so interesting when we think about like using the word disability because what's really interesting I find within the disabled community is that everybody uses it very very free-flowing there's no real issue but as soon as you step outside of the disabled community and you say to someone like oh yeah I'm disabled suddenly it's like a wall comes up and you're right people seem to think that it's this really harmful really dirty word that you should never be using and heaven forbid that you use it about yourself so I love it when the disabled people are like yeah that's me I'm disabled like we can have a conversation if you want but I'm going to use this word and if it makes you uncomfortable that says a lot more about you than it does about me yeah definitely and and you say that oh I, I try to avoid using them, but I have them on like Facebook, you know, the groups, the disability groups and things like that. And I'll pop in and out of them every now and again. And I had someone in there who is disabled, um, although they would say that they have an impairment. Okay. Uh, they don't like using the word disability. Try to say to me, I'm not disabled. And, mm. you know, I was looking at that and I would never tell anyone else how to refer to themselves yeah. you know you refer to yourselves you know people say people with disability wheelchair user and when I speak to them I will then use their terminology back to yeah. them so I would use that terminology back to that person um you know and and, and their reference point was obviously and you know this comes up quite a lot was you know society disables us as opposed to our condition mm-hmm. um but 
doesn't matter what society does, I still can't walk across a room. Um, so, I, you know, society is the main kind of thing that makes things hard. Yeah. You know, it could make it, society puts the obstacles in the way. Society mm-hmm. doesn't change when it needs to. Society is still so historic in its way of thinking. But, you know, I'm still disabled. yeah and I think that's uh, like again a really really interesting point is that people will refer to themselves completely differently and completely individually which is exactly why I ask that question first because I would hate to have a conversation with someone and misrepresent what they wanted to say and because disability is such an umbrella term and when you think about disability like literally everything falls under it how people relate to that is completely different. So it is super important to listen to people and how they want to be referred to or, or spoken about. But it is, it's always such an interesting one because I, like when you just said, you know, you knew someone that referred to themselves as having an impairment, I, like a part of me felt really uncomfortable and I was like, oh, like I don't love that. But then that's that's just me and that's how I personally view disability. So it's always such an interesting like conversation starter how how we view disability and how we refer to it ourselves. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know, I think people can learn so much because it's it's such an individual, like you said, so individual. Yeah, for sure. So I always go on to talk about childhood. Now, if I'm right. And I'm pretty sure I am right, but correct me if I'm wrong. You acquired your disability. So your childhood was what I like to refer to as our average Joe blogs. So like you had two hands, two feet, you were walking, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I acquired mine um, in 2020. So what a great time for that to happen to you. Yeah, brilliant. When you're going into all the all the hospitals and trying to get appointments and it, yeah. it bounces back. But I mean I, I look at my kind of childhood and I kind of think I was very sheltered from mm-hmm. disability. Yeah. So um I grew up in grew up in Cornwall. So uh I guess in Cornwall the population's small and, um, you know, there was, there would have been, there was obviously disabled people in my school, but there was no one with with an obvious disability in my school. Uh, And that's primary school, secondary school. Um, In college, there would have been, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it was very, very sheltered from, from disability. Yeah. Which I always think it must, it must, because I obviously, I don't know what life is like without disability. So my reality has always been disability. But when I speak to people who have acquired their disability, I always like to think and and talk about how they viewed and saw disability almost like pre and post, because quite often what I have found, and this is purely based on these conversations that I've had, I'm no great researcher, historical master, that's not my thing, but it's very interesting to me that quite a lot of people pre-becoming or acquiring their disability, disability like was not a thing that they ever thought about in a million years. It didn't really feature in their lives. They didn't really know too much about it. And then obviously post-disability, it's almost like you're having to relearn and re-navigate the world because this whole 
part of the world that you didn't know existed beforehand is now your reality. And, and it's like, you've got to relearn language and how to do things and how to navigate this space because something has changed in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I mean, kind of then go back again to when I was, when I was young, I just thought of it then, you know, and I could, I can recall there was, um, I met a wheelchair user through my mum. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, an athlete of some description, uh, discus, javelin, shot yeah. put, something along those lines. And he was collecting um, empty kind of Coke cans and things like that mm-hmm. to be able to recycle in bulk to help pay for him going to be able to... Uh, to compete and I can remember going with my mum to drop them off and I could just remember you know this is probably my first interaction with with someone in a wheelchair and I could just remember it being a really really nice kind of feeling and a nice kind of thought but if you asked me that half an hour ago I probably wouldn't have remembered that interaction it's just because I'm thinking back about um childhood now um, but you're right. I think, you know, I always thought that I was very inclusive prior mm-hmm. to my disability. And actually, on the on the large scale of it, I probably was. Yeah. Um, you know, but I didn't appreciate everything. Definitely didn't appreciate everything. And I see now when I go around, I try not to just see it from wheelchair users perspective mm-hmm. i try to look and go actually this is very this is a very bright area this this people with sensory mm-hmm. um sensory impairments issues they may struggle in here yeah how would they cope so i try now to have that that 360 view and to say i've got a 360 view would be very ignorant of me because i definitely haven't um I don't think anyone can and that's such an important point because I feel like inclusion is wonderful and it's amazing but inclusion in and of itself when you try and include absolutely everyone regardless you're still going to exclude someone that there is no there's no way and I'm I'm talking a very 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 big scale here I'm not talking small scale but if we're talking about inclusion and we're including absolutely everyone, the antithesis of that is exclusion. And, and at some point you are going to leave someone out regardless of how inclusive, inclusive, that's the word inclusive you're trying to be, you will, you will leave someone out. And it's the whole idea of that. Like you could be the juiciest peach in the entire world, but there's still someone out there who fucking hates peaches. And that's almost the same with inclusion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, going when you kind of go really niche and kind of really drill down into something, mm-hmm. you know, what's right for one person is wrong for the next person. Yeah. And 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 that's when you actually start need to to really focus on decision making and being I guess deliberately inclusive, exclusive, yeah. but actually you know, the best companies would just be flexible and the best people would just be flexible. So they would say, right, today, because person A is coming 
this is how we're going to operate, but we know that person B is coming tomorrow, so we're just going to turn it on its head. Yeah, and I love that as well. Flexibility is so key because, you know, whilst I say that you can't always be 100% inclusive all of the time, you should always strive to be as inclusive as possible. And I love what you've just said about flexibility is that actually, you know, one day it might look like this, but the other day it might look like something completely different. But as as long as like the work or whatever you're trying to do is getting done, then actually it's fine. It doesn't need to necessarily look a set way, which is really funny because it's kind of all about adaption, which is exactly what the disabled life is about. <laughs> like You're constantly adapting to new environments. Mm. You're constantly adapting to how you live and how you work and how you play. Like Adaption is basically all of our middle names. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, and um, and and I just think you know I've, I've always said to people there's no business in the world or that's a hundred percent inclusive, mm-hmm. and if they pretend to be, you know, they're probably the ones you need to speak to the most to say, yeah, you need to learn because they haven't, you know, got an understanding that it's an it's an impossible dream maybe but it's not it shouldn't be hard for your end users your your colleagues or anything that's the idea is you just want to be as inclusive as possible at any given moment in time well this actually is such a seamless transition into career because obviously career moves always change we all do different things but you and inclusion for is it inclusion for all or all for inclusion all for inclusion yeah yeah um I would love to talk to you about how that started what it does and and how you got there with it yeah so it's not a full pivot yet because I'm still working in insurance whilst, uh, <laughs> whilst I transition over. Yeah. Um, but I guess kind of I, I, I became unwell. Uh, I got a condition called, I've got a few conditions now, but I've got a condition called functional neurological disorder, yeah. which basically means my brain is healthy, my body is healthy, but all the signals just do what they want, really. Uh-huh. So it means I can't wait but on my left leg. Uh, my body can just move in directions I don't want it to, spasms, mm-hmm. tremors, um, you know, lots of different things. I won't go into it all now. But um, So I had gone a six months of not being well, mm-hmm. um, but still working at the same time. Yeah. And then I was put on furlough um, yeah. because we had uh, – what I would, what was described as healthy people on furlough. So the healthy people should be working. Yeah. Which then it 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 was a real struggle mentally. Yeah. Mental health just really dipped because I can't walk. I've got no equipment. Um, I've got a catheter feed, so I can't. Um, so it's not even like I need to. I can get up every five minutes and go to the toilet or whatever, yeah. uh, because you know I can't can't walk. Um, and yeah, I was just within a room basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first three months of that year, uh, I read 
more than a book a day on average. Uh, I would just wake up and read a book because watching TV and things, your mind still wanders. If you're reading a book, you're absorbed. But, you know, I'd go into... You know, going to sleep and waking up crying and different things like that because mm. my doctors didn't know what was going on, so I wasn't on the right pain medication and different things like that. That took so long to come through. Um, but then we got to the point when that was sort of balancing, and I thought, well, right, I want to do something. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be able to do it now physically. I couldn't do it now, but um, what I did last. January, I'm thinking, would it have been last January? Yeah, last January, I did um, the equivalent of three marathons in my wheelchair and six marathons using one of those arm exercise bikes. So, you know, it wasn't like in one go or three goes. It was spread out throughout the month. Yeah. Um, But as I was doing it and as I was building up, I was speaking to someone who I know through uh, networking. He does a lot with mental health first aid training and Uh suicide prevention. And he said to me, look, you you know you're going to have a bit of a dip when you you come out. So so all for inclusion was my dip. Um, (laughs) Kind of like a – oh, no, not – it was my prevention of the dip. Sorry. So it was almost like – a, a relationship rebound type of thing you kind of um yeah so it started put loads of thought into it um and decided right well we'll, we'll start off with podcasts and, and a couple of yeah. support groups uh we'll do some webinars we'll do some work with some businesses and but that's that's where it all came from it yeah. was it was a way of keeping my mental health stable um while supporting and educating others because i feel education's that that key crux do i still feel education is that key need yeah it is still the key need but actually there's that real want to be educated which is probably preventing people from being educated which i didn't realize at the beginning Uh uh-huh now, if you was to say to anyone in the not anyone in the street, but most people in the street, would you want to be educated in this? They would say, yeah, yeah, that's great. I'd love to be. But actually, yeah. how much would they want to be? How much they want to listen. Mm. And that's, I think, really key because, yeah, I, I really want to do it, but I'd rather watch, you know, TV for an hour. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would. I would rather do this. And, and how many things that would go in front of that is too much. And and that's why people, I think, aren't aren't listening. They're not taking that step to to get involved. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also a level of uncomfortability about it. It's uncomfortable when you are told that you are part of the problem, or it's uncomfortable when you're told you're ignoring a problem or, you know, these, they they can be very, very uncomfortable conversations. And I think, you know, as human beings, we naturally avoid being uncomfortable and we naturally avoid being in pain. So uh, that's like our hard wire. We're hardwired to avoid inflicting pain and, and being uncomfortable upon ourselves. So when you're right, when, you know, you're given the option, do you want to watch Netflix for an hour or do you want to learn about disability and how you might be part of the problem? 
nine times out of 10, people are always going to say Netflix because they don't have to think about it. Whereas, you know, learning about disability sometimes can be quite jarring and, and you're realizing that, that maybe, you know, average show blogs might be a part of the problem, which, which could be you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and let's face it. I mean, if you, if you stand by and see something that is wrong mm-hmm. and you ignore it, you are part of the problem. Yeah. Um, well, that's not talking about, you know, not limiting it to, to disability inclusion. That can be absolutely anything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, uh, you know, I always try to have as many people with different lived experiences in the groups and things like that as well. Yeah. Um, so, so people, it's, it is such a good, a good learning point for people to come in, be involved, listen to lots of different people's perspectives here perspective i can't speak point of views i'll change the word <laughs> but yeah and, it's, and uh, I it's think that is again like what an important piece of like valuable information is that and and that's exactly the same for me with this is that i try and get a complete variety of disabilities because there is no one size fits all for any of us and and I've repeatedly said this is that you could have two people with the exact exact same diagnosis on a piece of paper you know you go to the doctor and they've got the exact same ex- you know like word for word it's identical however however they relate and however it affects them is going to be so completely different that actually they might as well be two completely separate conditions because it's we are all so individual in how we navigate this world. And that's, again, that's not just disability, that is everybody as well. You know, that's for your average Joe blogs to someone who's disabled. It doesn't, you know, everybody's very individual, but disability in and of itself, because for so long it was left as like one homogenized group. People seem to think that it's one lived experience. And the reality of it is that it's so different for everyone, you know how I navigate the world as someone with a limb difference or, you know, like my right arm doesn't exist and how you navigate the world as someone who uses a wheelchair is going to be two very, very different experiences. However, we are both under this umbrella term of disability. And is that right? I don't know, but it is what it is at the minute. So we need to kind of roll with it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the thing I like about having the umbrella term is potentially it brings people together as a mm-hmm. as a community yeah, and sure. I think that's that's really good that's really important yeah I would yeah 100% agree because I don't actually know anybody in like the disabled community who isn't welcoming of anybody else with a disability we don't seem to have gatekeepers which I think there can be in in other like groups of people I think we're all very welcoming because we all realize that it's a completely different lived experience for everyone. So if you want to, if you use the word disabled or use the label disabled, like, come on in, like we're all having a party. It's a good time. (laughs) We will understand. I think, I think when, when it comes to it, the gatekeeper is only yourself. Yeah. Because you kind of, you know, there's, there's people who have got by definition a disability but don't consider themselves as disabled and then two or three years later they then go oh yeah I'm I'm disabled yeah. and so so the gatekeeper's only ever in your own mind really isn't it it's um it's what you accept is is that gatekeeper perspective yeah so true and I think 
the journey to accepting disability is a really interesting one as well. Cause I think everybody goes on that journey, like regardless of who you are and what your disability is, there is some, there is some kind of journey between, okay, am I disabled? Am I disabled enough to say that I'm disabled? Okay. I am disabled. Is that okay? And then realizing like, oh yeah, like I am disabled and that's absolutely fine. But like, this is how we're going to navigate the world. And there is everybody seems to have some form of journey of acceptance and then maybe not so accepting. And then, you know, coming back around and being like, oh, okay, like the disabled community is there for me and I can use it. And like, I can be a part of that. And then realizing that that's what they want to label themselves as. So it's always a really interesting idea that we all go through this journey of accepting disability. Mm, definitely. Definitely. I mean, for me, I think it was, I'd like to think it was quite a quick one, but in reality, it probably wasn't because mm. there was that period when I didn't know whether I would get better or I wouldn't. And, yeah. You know, so all of that, all of that time, it was very, you know, I stayed off social media completely. I didn't want my friends to know I was quiet. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't kind of embarrassed or ashamed of going through what I was going through, but what I didn't want was the, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen that? It might be this. It might be this. Yeah. The million and one questions or so much kind of awkward sympathy. Is that yeah. a term? You know, whether they're saying it just because it feels awkward, you know, oh, I'm really sorry. Well, don't be sorry. I'm I'm not I'm not sorry because you know you've got brown hair. You know, <laughs> it is it, it is what it is. Yeah, and but, uh, it's almost that like secondhand pity, isn't it? Because it's it's you know, it's it's not it's pity because you're like oh like what a shame but at the same time you're like well actually like there's no point in being pitting about it because this is the lived reality and this is what we're dealing with so it's very and I say and I I know I say this a lot so I need to really like find a different phrase but it is very much sink or swim and so you either sink and you become sad about it or you realize that okay this is life now and it's okay like it's okay that I don't feel great about it because it is a change However, we've got to still push forward. Um, something that I always like to go on to is, do you have a piece of advice for either a younger version of yourself and someone with the same disability as you? Yeah, so like the younger version of myself would almost be like, to just do whatever you want to do. Oh, I love that. Um, because, you know, if you ask me pre, pre-disability, would I, have I got any regrets in life? My regret, I would always say no, I wouldn't. Uh-huh. But now I say yes, and I don't regret my condition or anything with that Uh but I just think maybe I should have done more or I became disabled Uh you know there's there's things that I don't know I think I would have liked to have been self-employed right from right from the get-go yeah Uh, 
you know, I think that would have been something that would have just fitted with me. I would have probably wanted to have actually, you know, been more inclusive and, and looked at that side. But take that away because that probably would have only come as a result of my condition anyway. But mm-hmm. things like travelling and um, moving to different places and things like that, I'd have probably wanted to have done a, a lot earlier. Yeah. Um so so yeah, my advice would just be just uh, just to get on with it and just do things, you know. If you if you want to do it, you know, you never know when something can change your life and it can change it just like turning on a light switch. So yeah, yeah just just don't hold back, just go for whatever you want to do. And then like if someone's just like being diagnosed with F and D, it is scary. It's um uh-huh. you was talking before about kind of sink or swim. And I had this thought about three weeks ago where um I thought I'm gonna have a look at some of the uh the reasons why people were described or told they were witches. Uh-huh. And um I probably would have been um, classed as a witch because of my health condition. Yeah. So they would have maybe tied my hands to my feet to see if I could sink or swim. Um, So, so yeah, so I think, like, you know, with F&D, it's so different. It can be – it can be – a scary place um but there's you know there's loads of people out there that it's it's probably one of the most common conditions that people haven't heard of or many people haven't heard of so actually when you get told when your gp is kind of looking at you blankly going what's fnd and you get in then the neurologist saying it's rare go on social media and there is yeah. lots of people who experience it. And like you said earlier, they experience it in so many different ways. Just because one person experiences it like this, it doesn't mean the next person will. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but there will probably be someone who, if you're saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering with a lot of pain, there will be someone who also is suffering with pain. If you're someone that, has lots of seizures. There's probably someone who has lots of seizures, or there will be. Definitely. Um, speech is another one which, you know, I, I get impacted by this quite a lot. But, you know, speech can come and go. So uh so yeah, so I would always just say if you if you in, just been diagnosed with F and D, you just need to go on Twitter, Facebook probably the two main ones and just find groups of people yeah because they will help you more than any doctor and it's very interesting because I was actually wondering if we could talk about how you got diagnosed with F&D because I know that it's something that's incredibly hard to diagnose because it is to do with your like your neuro like the brain obviously it's neurological but I, I like I know how hard it is to get a diagnosis and I was just wondering for you was getting a diagnosis was that also equally as difficult or or straightforward or was it just 
generally like a slog. Yeah, so so it took um it took two years. So that seems long to a lot of people and, and it seems long to me. But there's some people that take five years, ten years, you yeah. know. So um so yeah, so the first thing they, they thought it was was uh Calder Aquina. Um so that was the first kind of kind of point that they looked at. Um it wasn't it wasn't that, so that was ruled out quite quickly through uh through an MRI. So that was that was easy to, to rule out. Then then I was in hospital with with sepsis, so that kind of slowed things up. Um but then I had like some MRIs mm-hmm. just to see for lesions in the brain because the next protocol was uh, was MS. Uh-huh. But but that was ruled out. Then they was doing I can't remember what it's called, but they were sticking needles in different parts of my body and firing stocks into them uh-huh. to see how they'd react. And you know, I guess the frustrating thing is you <laughs> you so-called pass every test that you do. So you're starting to then doubt yourself. Yeah. To go, well, actually, and that's a terrible place to be because mentally you're thinking, you know, you're questioning yourself, you're questioning every every move. And no, you know, no doctor goes, Well, by the way, if you get if you pass this test, this test, this test, this test, you're gonna it could your condition could be this. And then we spoke about yeah, the my neurologist was then just cancelling appointment after appointment after appointment so yeah so it was it was it was difficult it took about two years but when I went into my appointment with the neurologist um in my head I thought I could have FND I'd already heard of it I'd already found it you know it's one of those things where I think (laughs) <laughs> my mum would always say to me look don't google it don't google things and then she would say look i found this i found this so i didn't <laughs> have to google anything because she would just send all these scary scary things to me um but yeah it is what it is it's a long it's a long process yeah it's a tough process i was lucky because no one said or thought that it was kind of put on or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. But a lot of people with FND will get a doctor or a physio or someone say, why are you walking like that? You can walk properly. And yeah. why are you doing this? And I was really lucky then. I had someone on this podcast who also has FND and they were told to just stop having seizures. They were just mm. told point like, just stop having seizures. They're not real. Just stop having them, which it was just, you, you can't fathom it, but you know that it happens, which is why I wanted to ask you how the journey was like for you, because 
as you said, a lot of people have had the experience where doctors and, and you know, so-called healthcare professionals have turned around and been like, well, stop doing it. Or like, why are you doing this? Like, or you're faking it or this isn't real. Like it's all psychosomatic when actually it's, that's very much not the case. And it, it's just a very, very interesting place to look at FND from someone who hasn't got it or hasn't experienced anything like it. The idea that a healthcare professional wouldn't believe you, I think is so gut-wrenching because they're meant to be the people who are meant to help you. And yet you're being told at, you know, different corners that, right, it's not this, so it could be this, but by the way, you're faking it. And like, oh, you can just stop whenever you choose to. And and that's not the reality of it. So thank you for sharing your journey, because I know it's not an easy one, particularly surrounding FND. Yeah, I was really, really lucky. And it shouldn't be the case. Um, But I was lucky. My GP was really good. But then I switched my GP. So my GP switched over because the practice kept cancelling the appointments. Uh-huh. Um, so then we, so then the the kind of practice manager or the senior doctor at the GPs then took over. So he just puts appointments in his Outlook diary. So he, he he's proactive yeah. with it. You know, he he openly admits that like he's learning about F and D through me. Um, yeah, but I'd rather that than someone go, yeah, yeah, I'm an expert, but I'm really just paying pin the tail on the donkey. <laughs> yeah, I like to think that through any form of hardship, that if you can notice something positive, or you know, or you notice a positive attribute within yourself, then you've learned something. And I was wondering through any type of hardship in your life or any times of hardship, have you noticed a particular positive attribute about yourself that actually upon reflection, you look back and you think, actually, I'm incredibly proud of that attribute within myself? That's that's hard. Um, there's If you asked it to people who are close to me, they would probably come up with with positive attributes but i feel like the last kind of six months well longer than that i've been really tough mentally and Mm -hmm. fatigue and 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 kind of mental health i'm not in a great great place so i kind (laughs) i kind of downplay a lot and uh, Mm -hmm. i i see a lot of things that maybe are hard when they when well when they shouldn't be no that's a that's a terrible turn of phrase but I guess they're harder now than what they would have been kind of six 12 months ago is is, is where I'm coming from with it so I guess kind of just keep the fact that I just try to keep showing up and being honest um would be an attribute if it's an attribute yeah, I think I think so I think you know there is time and place for rest and pausing and stopping but there is also time and place for actually just carrying on because sometimes the worst thing in the world to do is stop like mm. I'm someone who believes that momentum creates momentum because that's scientifically backed you that you can't argue with me or that that's a fact so sometimes <laughs> it is just better to to push forward and almost you know, like accept that things aren't necessarily going to be incredible or amazing right now. But if you just keep plodding along, it will get better. 
Yeah, and I say then, you know, I have actually taken some rest periods at different times. You know, what I've done is I've not gone right, I'm stopping, but, you know, let's say I've got six plates to spin, I'm going to rest this plate and this plate and focus on these. So I've been able to identify that. So actually, that is probably the, the real answer. Now we get to it, that's probably the answer. See, I think, yeah, I think you're so right. There is a massive difference between resting and stopping because resting is when you realize that actually, you know, it's okay to slow down. I can have, you know, like however long I need, but as long as you kind of know that you're going to get back up and you're you're almost putting, you're almost putting like a time limit on your rest. So like, I like to think that if I rest for an hour, but I really commit to that hour of rest like I don't do anything in that hour I will sit like a vegetable and it's incredible and that is me committing to my rest but I know that I'm going to get up after that hour so it's it's that almost putting a time frame on having a like downtime and then knowing that you're slowly going to pick stuff back up and I think that's probably like the best way to always move forward is to know that at some point you will be picking stuff back up again yeah 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 definitely you know there's no kind of end to it you know there's no you know i think a lot of the time as well when you're resting and you're thinking about other things and you're you can then have some of the best ideas come out because you're subconsciously still you know this is still passionate for me so i'm going to come back to an idea here at at some point and well hang on i'm having a wash now and i've just thought of an awesome idea so yeah write that one down because uh like i said earlier my, my memory's not always great so uh i think i've forgotten some of my best ideas <laughs> I'll, I'll remember them one day they'll come back to you the most inconvenient of time you'll be like in the shower or you'll be like putting forks and knives away in the cutlery drawer and you'll be like oh my god here it is like pulled it out from the sky <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just hope like I'm not going to have an operation and just about to go in because I'll have no pen or (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to get them to write write on the body somewhere just to go right. Mark a pen. Remember this. (laughs) That's funny. I like to think and ask people about the weird questions that they receive being disabled because I don't know a disabled person who hasn't had really bizarre questions like asked of them and so I was wondering do you have like a particular favorite funny question or weird question that you get asked like often or does one particular one stick out in your mind do you know what I don't really get I am that one person that that doesn't really get asked those many weird questions what I what I find is I get um I where I live there's a lot of kind there's a lot of schools uh, near me so I get a lot of young children stare at me mm-hmm. so um, I really like that because then I'll put my thumb up wave to them or something and their parents might um, might kind of be embarrassed to say oh no 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 and it's a case of no it's fine look yeah um, so we have a lot of kind of interactions there so I guess that's kind of the one of the things and what what I love to do is pick up on something that people say which I don't know could be phrased better let's say so say if I know someone mm-hmm. um you know and they'll and they say something to, something to me like um 
I don't know, I don't know using the word run as an example. Uh-huh. So I, I just like to kind of turn that back with a sarcastic joke and comment. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, questions wise, no, I don't really, uh, I don't really get it. I, I don't go out a great deal at the moment. It's mm. hard for me to get out of out of the house because we're still waiting for the council to put the ramp in and things like that. So I interact with a lot of people regularly that I know and places I go are expecting me. So yeah, I think I again I'm quite I'm quite lucky because I know there's so many people where they have ridiculous questions fired at them on just there's a number of things that I've been really lucky in and I haven't really had the same negativity cast at me that some people have had Mm -hmm. and I'm fortunate I know I'm fortunate it's a real kind of I guess privilege I've not had it whereas some people have and it will come one day yeah Um, your your weird Wait, questions are going to come at some point. You'll get you'll get something that will bowl you over, and that's when I'll get a message being like, "Today was the day." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> I think you know, I the weird question when someone throws it at me, I'm just looking forward to what my weird answer is going to be back to them. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want to know is what the answer is, not what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one final question for you, Scott, um, and that is, can you say that you're disabled and proud? Of course, yeah, yeah. There's no way that I, I couldn't say that at all. It's, uh, it's 100%. Amazing. Thank you so much for being a guest today. Um, I have found so many interesting points in this conversation from talking about diagnosis, to your life pre and post disability i've i've really loved it and thank you so much for spending your time having this conversation with me no worries thank you for uh, for having me on see you soon thanks for listening to this episode of disabled and proud if you've enjoyed the show then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts it really helps us to reach more and more people each week plus if you've got a particular highlight then i'd absolutely love to hear it tag me on your insta stories at disabled and proud podcast